Church, last week we were really excited to launch something new, and I just want to reiterate for those of you who maybe didn't get to hear about it or see it, we launched Uversion Live, which is a free service that's put out by Uversion, or more commonly known as the Bible app. So a lot of you probably already have this app on your phone, but if you don't, it's free. You can go and download it. It doesn't cost you a thing. It's the most downloaded app on any platform, and so I would encourage you to get that Bible app. It's got a lot of great resources on it that you can utilize, but the one that we want to highlight that we're going to use here at BCC is going to be called Uversion Live, and so basically once you download it, you can go over to the more section on the menu, and you can scroll down to where it says live events. Now, understand something. When it says live events, for those of you watching online, it means live events. So when we are not live here, it does go away. So um, just so you're aware, some of you called into the church this week going, where's it at? I'm like, it's a live event. So once the event is no longer live, it's post-live, that means that it goes away because that's how the, the function of this thing works. But the great part about it is that we have the sermon notes on there every week. So when I put my sermon together or whoever's speaking, Pastor Barry or Pastor Evan, and whoever, when they put their notes together, we're going to have portions of those notes that will be available for you to follow along, like all the scripture references we use, certain things that we make, uh, points we make that may be on the screen, or different things we may say that we want to include in there. And the cool part is that you can add to that. You can make notes of your own while you're following along. And you can kind of keep up with where we're at in the service as well. And you can make notes of your own. And when you're done, you can actually email yourself a PDF copy of all the notes you made, plus the notes that we gave you and it's super cool it has another cool function where we can add links to it so at the bottom you'll occasionally see a couple of links of things happening in the church right now I think baptisms on there and then also we have a link on there for our sermon study guides for those of you that don't know every single week at BCC we put out a weekly sermon study guide all of our pastors rotate through uh, this writing uh, uh, rotation where they take the sermon notes and basically write a study guide based on on the sermon and take it deeper, kind of take it a little further to where you can actually really get fully integrated and immersed in this uh, subject matter so that you can grow in the Word of God. So there's all these great tools and resources that we're providing for you, BCC, and I want you to make sure that you take advantage of those things because these are things that are going to help us grow deeper in Scripture. And our very first core value is that at BCC, uh, Scripture is our starting point. And we want to make sure that it's not only the starting point for us here at our church, but it's a starting point for us as Christians in our everyday lives. Amen? Amen? And so I want us to grow in that. So we've given you these awesome resources. Take advantage of those things. And I hope that those help you to grow. Last week, I kicked off a new series uh, talking about embracing identity, which is really the vision focus for 2022 for our church. And I want to put a little bit more uh, legs to this idea of vision and what it is that I believe that Bettendorf Christian Church is called to do. And here's kind of the longer version of it. Our vision at BCC is to connect people in the Quad Cities to a transforming relationship with Jesus and to grow through finding belonging in healthy, authentic church community that is known for how we serve one another and others to impact every generation beyond our lifetime. To make all of that short and simple and easy to remember, here's what we want to say. BCC wants to connect, grow, and serve. 
And some of you that have been around BCC for a while may say, hey, that sounds familiar. Yeah, it does sound familiar because we've said these things before, because things that are worth saying once are worth saying again, amen? And so I think that this is just part of our identity and who not only we are now at this stage in the growth of our church, but who we've always been. And I think this is who we're still called to be, a church that is focused on connecting, growing, and serving. And that's who we want to continue to be and grow to continue to uh, uh, be as a church family. So if you have your Bible today, go ahead and go over to Luke chapter 10, or if you're following along on version, you're already there probably, Luke chapter 10. <clears throat> and also, while you're flipping and turning to Luke chapter 10, you can also find Luke chapter 22. So this gives you one of those fun opportunities to use your bookmark in your Bible, if you brought your Bible. And you're like, I've always wanted to use that thing. So there you go. That's a good reason to use it right there. Put that over in Luke 22. So we're going to read Luke 10, and then we're going to jump right over and read Luke 22, okay? We're going to start off with Luke 10, and just to give you a little bit of background with kind of what's going on to set the scene, Jesus had just finished interacting with people that really wanted to follow him, and they made these big commitments to follow Jesus. And Jesus said, okay, you want to follow me? Here's what it costs to follow me. Basically everything, you know, because he wants our whole heart, right? And so he had just finished illustrating the cost of following him, and these people had just heard Jesus talk about the, the weight of following him and the cost associated with that. And this is the very next thing that happens in Luke chapter 10. And after this, after he had said all those things, the Lord appointed 72 others and sent them on ahead of him, two by two, into every town and place where he himself was about to go. And he said to them, the harvest is plentiful, but the laborers are few. Therefore, pray earnestly to the Lord of the harvest to send out laborers into his harvest. Go your way. Behold, I am sending you out as lambs in the midst of wolves. That sounds fun. Carry no money bag. Okay. No knapsack, no sandals. Greet no one on the road. Whatever house you enter, first say, peace be to this house. And if a son of peace is there, then your peace will rest upon him. But if not, it will return to you. And remain in the same house, eating and drinking what they provide, for the laborer deserves his wages. Do not go from house to house. Whenever you enter a town and they receive you, eat what is set before you. Heal the sick in it and say to them, the kingdom of God has come near to you. But whenever you enter a town and they do not receive you, go into the streets and say, even the dust of your town that clings to our feet we wipe off against you. Nevertheless, know this, that the kingdom of God has come near. I tell you, it will be more bearable on that day for Sodom than for that town. Woe to you, Chorazin, woe to you, Bethsaida, for if the mighty works done in you had been done in Tyre and Sidon, they would have repented long ago, sitting in sackcloth and ashes. But it will be more bearable in the judgment for Tyre and Sidon than for you. And you in Capernaum, will you be exalted to heaven? You should be brought down to Hades. The one who hears you, hears me. And the one who rejects you, rejects me. And the one who rejects me, rejects him who sent me. So the 72, they returned with joy, saying, Lord, even the demons are subject to us in your name. And Jesus says to them, I saw Satan fall like lightning from heaven. Behold, I have given you authority to tread on serpents and scorpions and over all the power of the enemy, and nothing shall hurt you. Nevertheless, do not rejoice in this, that the spirits are subject to you, but rejoice that your names are written in heaven. Now over to Luke chapter 22. Let's look at verse 35. And Jesus said to them, 
when I sent you out with no money bag or knapsack or sandals, did you lack anything? They said, nothing. He said to them, but now let the one who has a money bag take it, and likewise a knapsack. And let the one who has no sword sell his cloak and buy one, for I, I tell you that the scripture must be fulfilled in me. And he was numbered with the transgressors, for what is written about me has its fulfillment. So if you keep reading, it's kind of funny because they get a little zealous about the sword thing and they go out and buy a couple of them. They're like, look, we've got two. And he's like, no, it's not the point. <laughs> Anytime you tell a bunch of dudes to go out and sell their cloak and go buy a sword, they're going to be like, okay, Jesus. <clears throat> I got two swords. <laughs> Overachievers, right? Um, but at the same time, when we look at the contrast of these two stories, we see that at one point Jesus tells the group of people that are following him, hey, there's something I've called you to do. There's a specific purpose that I have for you. I want you to go out and do it. As a matter of fact, I want you to be so focused on it. Don't even take any money with you because you're going to have to depend on me for this thing. And I'm just going to take care of you. Don't take a knapsack. Don't take shoes. Don't take nothing. You know, it's like, you know, I thought somebody was barbecue and I ran for my life. I didn't take no shoes or nothing, Jesus. You know, it just ran. You know, they just went. <laughs> And no shoes, they just ran. And, and then they, 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 Jesus says, okay, how did it go, guys? And they said, it's amazing. Like, we prayed for people, they were healed. We cast out demons in your name. And Jesus says, I saw Satan fall like lightning from heaven. Like, seriously. Jesus is saying, I, like, I told you to go in my name and my authority. So I saw Satan fall like lightning from heaven. And you're excited because a couple of demons, you know, were cast out of people and a couple of people were healed. He said, don't rejoice over that, that the spirits are subject to you because they're not actually subject to you. They're subject to me because I'm the one who gave you authority. It's actually my authority. Actually, why don't you be more excited that your names are being written in the Lamb's Book of Life, that your names are written in heaven? That's actually the greater thing to rejoice over. Jesus has shown them what really matters. And then fast forward to chapter 22. Now Jesus is telling this group of people something else. He's saying, okay, this time, you, you, you remember, right? Like when I told you not to take anything with you? And they're like, yeah, we remember. He said, did you lack for anything? No, Lord, we didn't lack for anything at all. Okay, so you didn't take money, you didn't take knapsacks, you didn't take anything, and you were still okay. Yeah, we were okay. Okay, this time, I actually want you to take money. This time, I actually want you to take a knapsack. I want you to be a little bit more prepared this time because what you're going to do is actually going to take a greater investment. It's going to take longer. You see, this was Jesus calling them to do something very specific for a short amount of time. He said, it's so urgent. Don't even talk to people if you see them in the street because you're on a mission. Don't go bounce around to other people's houses. No, you find one person to stay with and whatever they eat, if you don't like it too bad, eat it. <laughs> stay in their house. Don't be bouncing around. You're there on mission for a purpose. And if it doesn't work out, just shake the dust off your feet and, and move on because we're on mission. Come back. Now, this time he's telling them something different. He's telling them, yeah, take your time. I want you to prepare. You're going to be prepared for a journey, and I'm still going to take care of you, even though you're still preparing and you're doing something. I, I took care of you when you didn't have anything, and I'm going to take care of you when you prepare. As we look at the contrast of this, I think that we see this idea of there's some things that God calls us to that it's for a season, and there's a specific purpose. And there are things that we have to trust God with in that specific purpose. There are things that God wants us to connect to, things God wants us to do. Maybe even a relationship God wants us to have. And maybe those relationships are seasonal. Maybe those times are seasonal. And he wants us to invest intentionally in that and be focused on that. 
But then there's also times where God calls us to things that have a greater longevity, where he wants us to be prepared to stay a while. He wants us to trust. He wants us to just continue to be there because this was a different mission. This was something different that Jesus was calling them to, something that they had to be ready for in a different kind of way. It required them to trust in a different way than they did before. But he was letting them know, I'm still going to be with you because even when you didn't have anything, I still took care of you, right? So I'm still going to take care of you even in the middle of all of this. Your job is just to go. I'm sending you out. Our vision is to connect people in the Quad Cities to a, a transforming relationship with Jesus Christ because we want to be able to connect people with the life-transforming power of Jesus Christ, who can not only change their here and now on the earth, but who can impact and affect their eternity, their forever, amen? Because forever lasts a really, really long time, right? It kind of has no end. It has no beginning. It's just forever. We don't really understand it because everything we know in life has a beginning. It has an end. Everything we understand has an expiration date or has a, you know, even a lifetime warranty. What does that even mean, really? You know, like, like whose lifetime? Mine? The thing's lifetime? I don't understand. Is it forever? Like, we don't understand. Everything has a beginning. Everything has an end. And so forever is a hard concept for us to grasp. But yet Jesus wants us to be investing in eternal things. And just because we say that we're reaching people here in the Quad Cities, that doesn't alienate us from reaching people outside of the Quad Cities. So don't get upset about the semantics of that. The heart, of course, is going to be to reach people in our, in, in our state, in our area, in the surrounding areas, in, in the surrounding states, in the United States, and in other countries, on other continents. Amen? We want to reach the world. That's why we have missionaries here today. You're going to hear from John Gaynor a little bit later about what God's doing um, through them out in Ukraine and how God's just using them to lead people to Jesus. All of that's awesome, and we're super grateful for that. And so we want to do that. We want to still raise up missionaries and send out missionaries and still do the work of the Lord. But I think that the majority of us who live here, that we have to remember God has called us to be fruitful where we're planted. And so that means the Quad Cities area. That means even here in Bettendorf, if you want to get really localized, that means we start thinking about how do we connect people to a transforming relationship with Jesus that live over in these apartments over here. Or the people who work over here at this grocery store. Or the people who work over here at this car dealership or this tire dealership. Or how do we affect people who may go to this gas station over here or this restaurant. And I began to think a lot more locally and I'm like, wow, God's planted us here strategically. Even in your neighborhood, God's planted you strategically in your neighborhood for a purpose. And he wants you as a representative of the body of Christ to be about the business of connecting people to a transforming relationship with Jesus Christ. He's given us all this commission. He's sending all of us to do this. And he's placed us here for this season, for this time, at the job that you work at, the friendships that you have. Maybe some of those are short-term relationships. Maybe you're just here working for a season. Maybe you're just living in a certain neighborhood for a season. Maybe you just hang out strategically with certain people for a certain season. But God has put that in your path so that you can connect people to a transforming relationship with Jesus as you are continually transformed. Amen? And it takes all of us. It's not just one of us that does all of this work. 
It's not just the pastors. It's not just people that are in church leadership that we can just kind of delegate all of that to and we just get to watch it all happen and go, oh, yay. No, it's all of us. We all are the body of Christ and we all have different gifts and different functions and different parts, but we all are the body of Christ called to connect people to Jesus through the way that we share Jesus, the way we live our lives committed to Christ, the way we ourselves display the fruitfulness of a life committed to Christ. Amen? I mean, this is who we're supposed to be for a bigger purpose than just ourselves. For a bigger purpose than just us gathering together and hanging out with people that we like and people we want to hang out with that we know are good, safe people who are moral people. That's got to be bigger than morality. It's got to be bigger than us just uh, trying to behave a certain way. It's got to be bigger than us just trying to do nice things for nice people. No, this is about eternity. And we're wanting to connect people because Jesus changes our present and he changes our forever. One of our core values here at BCC is transformation is our pursuit. Transformation is our pursuit. We're always pursuing transformation because he has not only changed us when we first had our eyes open to see our need for Jesus and see our need for a Savior and we gave our trust and our hope and we put it all in him by giving him our heart and by trusting him through putting our faith in what Christ did on the cross for us. Not only did he transform us then, but he's continually transforming us. And guess what? We should always be growing as Christ followers. Amen? We never get to a place where we just get to hit cruise control. We never get to a place as Christ followers where we get to go, okay, I've done enough. I'm good. I've grown enough. I know enough. Cruise control, and I'll be a cruise control, control Christian. There's no such thing. None of us are at this pinnacle of Christianity where we get to coast. None of us are up at, at, at the peak of Christianity. And all of a sudden, you know, we figured it all out. And boy, we sure are good. And we know a lot. And we're so smart. And here's what people do. They like to create different caste systems and categories that create separation that make us feel like we don't have to continue pursuing transformation. Because we feel like that's for those people. And we're over here. And so transformation needs to be their pursuit because, buddy, they got problems. (laughs) But me, I'm doing pretty good. I mean, I figured some things out. No, 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 no. You have to transform and continue to pursue transformation as well. Amen? All of us, all of us need to grow. No matter where we are, we need to grow from where we are. It's part of being teachable and humble because the longer I walk with Christ, actually the more joyful I should be, right? The longer I walk with Christ, the more patient I should be, right? The longer I walk with Christ, the more I should be demonstrating the fruits of the Spirit of God. Fruit is just another word for evidence. It's the evidence of the Spirit on the inside of me. So if the Spirit's on the inside, there's going to be evidence. And the longer I walk with Christ, the more evident, the more fruitful my life is going to be that His Spirit is indeed in me. If indeed He is. But sometimes, you talk to people that have been walking with the Lord, or they say they've been walking with the Lord for a long time, and they're crabby, impatient, and you're like, whatever it is that they ate, I don't want to eat it because it messed up their face because they look angry. (laughs) And they can't get along with one another. And they gossip, and they backbite, and they they have all these issues and all these problems. And man, I got that out in the world without having Christ and without getting involved in church drama. So no thanks. 
You see, part of the calling card of Christianity is the fruit that we're supposed to display by the way we treat one another. That means the way we forgive each other, the way we're patient with one another, the way that we're willing to walk through forgiveness and reconciliation together, the way that we serve one another, the way that we wash one another's feet and care for one another, not just because we all can gather in the same building, right? Right? Maybe, sort of, I don't know, okay? Amen. Amen. You see, we have to be a people who understand that Christ is transforming me. Not just that he has transformed me, but he is transforming me. Because the more I pursue knowing him, I can't help but change. And if I'm not changing, then I'm not pursuing Christ. It's really that simple. If I'm not changing, I'm not pursuing Christ. Because if I am pursuing him, I can't help but change. Because it's not me that's doing the changing. It's Christ that's changing me. It's not me trying harder. It's Christ doing things in my heart that are now changing the way my attitudes and my actions and my reactions are. Because he's doing something in me. And the joy of the Lord comes out. The peace of God rules and reigns. I have these fruits in my life, this evidence because I'm connected to Christ. So yes, it's important for us to try to connect others to Christ, but first and foremost, it's important that you and I have a connection to Christ, amen? And that that connection only continues to grow stronger the more we submit to his word, the more we get to know him through his word, the more we submit in love to one another, the more we care for one another, the more that the spirit begins to work in us. I, I love this text over in 1 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 6 through nine. You can read it later if you want. First uh, Corinthians three, the apostle Paul deals with this thing where he is addressing this issue that the Corinthians had where they were trying to see like who's the best because whose ministry they were baptized under. Some people were boasting because there's this guy named Apollos who was baptizing people and who was teaching people about Jesus and sharing the gospel. They're like, well, I was baptized under Apollos's ministry. And so he's like the best. You know, he didn't do all this bad stuff that Paul did, right? Like, we know his story and his history, right? So Apollos is kind of like, a, a, he's edging out, you know, Paul. And, and some people are like, well, no, well, Paul, actually, I was baptized in Paul's ministry, and he's more significant than Apollos because he actually, you know, was able to have this great encounter with Jesus and blah, 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 and he spent all this time with the disciples and all these different things, and they were having these arguments about who was better because of which church they went to and where they got baptized. I know that we don't do those types of things now. That was back then, so, you know, no. We still do that kind of stuff, and it's goofy because Paul says this in 1 Corinthians 3 and verse 6. He says, it's not Apollos or Paul that you should be concerned about. I'm paraphrasing, but he said some plant... Some water, but God gives the increase. Maybe Apollos was the one who planted the seed. Maybe you heard something I said or experienced something from the ministry that God gave me that was watering that seed. But it wasn't either one of us that caused the transformation because otherwise we'd get the credit. So Paul's saying it's not about us getting the credit. God's the one who changed us. God's the one who transformed us. God's the one who makes the things happen underneath the ground that you can't see change and and form that's all God but he said I, I'm just a servant and in my serving I, I may have planted and sometimes when you plant 
man, just like Jesus said in the parable of the sower, sometimes those seeds get thrown on some pretty hard hearts, some pretty hard ground. But we keep sowing the word and we pray for those people's hearts to be softened, amen? And we want to sow more intentionally on good ground. There's people that God will put in your life that it is good ground, but we still keep praying for those who are hardened in their hearts that God would soften their hearts because we want to connect them to Christ. We want to connect them to the life-giving power of Jesus Christ that changes now, changes us now and forever. But being a disciple, it requires us to have a strong connection. We have to have a strong connection. And connecting to Christ requires us to live intentionally. You don't live for Christ just by happenstance. You do it on purpose. We must be connected to the body of Christ, the church, on purpose. Amen? And we stay connected. We stay connected through every up and down, through every season. Because we need one another. We want to serve one another. We want to grow in connection to Christ by our devotion to the scriptures, by our devotion to his word. By our devotion to being people of prayer who are deepening our dependence on Christ because we pray. We want to be deepening our dependence on him through the way we, we, we trust in him and acknowledge our need for him. And we must continue to help other people to connect to Christ as we are first connected to Christ. And we do so, I've used this illustration before of the drawbridge. And this idea of a drawbridge, you can only control your side, right? You can't control the other person's side of the drawbridge. And so we want to connect, but all we can do is just let our side of the drawbridge down and be humble. Well, some of us want to jump over here and we want to yank that person's side of the drawbridge down. And we get frustrated with them. We want them to connect to Christ. And we know what they should be doing, right? And so sometimes we try all sorts of tactics we may try to guilt them, manipulate them. It makes us angry. We, we're trying to, trying to forcefully take their side of the drawbridge down. But you, you can't. I mean, you can try and you'll get exhausted because some plant, some water, God brings the change. So what do you do? You leave your side of the drawbridge down and you keep speaking truth in love. You keep being filled with patience and humility because guess what? Someone was patient with you. Amen. Right? Someone was patient with me. People are still being patient with me. Because all of us need to grow. We're not there yet. We're still growing and we're still being transformed. So don't be weary in well-doing, as Scripture says. Lower your side of the drawbridge. Keep loving. And God's calling you. God's using you. God's speaking through you. He has given you gifts, and even those gifts are not something that you came up with on your own. Gifts of the Holy Spirit that he's put on the inside of you. So the things he's wanting to do in you and through you are things that he's still doing. It's still not you. It's still him. Because he gets the glory at the end of the day. Amen? Never underestimate the power of an invitation. Did you know that the number one reason people don't come to church is because they haven't been invited? I'm not even kidding about that statistic. It's true. Most people haven't been invited. I, uh, I take taekwondo classes over in Moline, and um, there's a lot of people here at BCC that 
come to classes on some of the same nights. And it's kind of funny because it's almost like we're having church, you know. Like, <laughs> I mean, there's so many people there that are from church and all uh, of the kids, well, Gauss kids, love to come and try to beat me up. Um, and... Uh, <laughs> And I'm always trying to block their punches and stuff, and they're a lot higher than me, and they're a lot, they're a lot better at it than I am. I'm still relatively new, but I, I love it. It's great, and I enjoy it. I enjoy uh, the social aspect of it as well as the physical aspect and the mental aspect. It's just a great way to connect. I remember one time um, we were all messing around, and uh, it was a bunch of BCC people there, and there was this one girl there um, who wasn't a part of our church, and um, she's a young girl. And she has a great little personality. And we were over there joking around, laughing, you know, all of us people who go to church together. And uh, she came over and she said, she said, how do you guys all know each other? And somebody said, well, we all go to church together. And she said, oh, I've never been to church. And uh, I said, oh, I said, well, would you like to come to our church? She said, you can come to our church. And I talked to her and she said, that's the first time somebody's ever asked me that. And it broke my heart because I started thinking, wow, here we've been going to this class with this girl for however many months, and she's been seeing how much we're having fun. And we've had fun with her too, and she's a great kid. But, and, and it was so innocent when I invited her that she said that's the first time she had ever been invited. I think sometimes we assume a lot. I really do. I think we do. And, and that stuck with me because I remember how I felt after she said that. I was like, oh, wow. I've been assuming a lot, and I think we all have, that we assume our neighbors know. We assume our coworkers know, right? We assume that, you know, people around us know, but never underestimate the power of an invitation. You have no idea how powerful that could be in someone's life. Every interaction matters. This is why it matters so much the way that we treat people when they come to church, Amen. It matters a lot. Every interaction matters. That's why we want to be a church that actually steps outside of our comfort zones. And when we see someone we don't know and we introduce ourselves and we ask them their name, we just try to break the ice. You want to know a great skill to help you with, if you're not a naturally social person, to help just make someone feel loved and welcome. Don't just say hi to them. Ask them their name. Tell them, say, have, I haven't met you yet. And if I have, I'm sorry, I don't remember your name. And then just ask them some questions. People will talk about themselves. <laughs> because here's the deal. When we get to heaven and we stand before the judgment seat of Christ, and he says, what did you do with the time that I gave you on earth for my glory and for my kingdom? And I'll tell you what answer is not going to cut it. Well, Lord, I would have done more, but you see, I took this test online and it said I was introverted. I'm like this really shy animal. Like they gave me an animal and, and like a color and, 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 and a number. And, and, and so because of that, I really couldn't do much for your kingdom because the internet told me I couldn't and it made it okay <laughs> because I'm just a shy person. And then what about those three, four people that have been around you your whole life? Or what about those people that, you interact with, you, you see our personality challenges or our, our, our differences that we may have in our personalities, the fact that we may not be a naturally outgoing person, doesn't mean that we all of a sudden get a pass on connecting people to Christ or sharing the gospel, amen? 
it's not just for the extroverts. I don't see that in here where God just called a certain group of personalities to his kingdom. It takes all of us. Somebody's got to step outside of their comfort zone. Somebody's got to make eternity a priority. Somebody's got to invite someone. I'm going to close with this story. Um, When I was pastoring in Wisconsin, there was a man in our church who was asking us to pray for his father. And his father was um, just on the edge of passing away. He was just in terrible shape, and he was not a believer. Matter of fact, he had tried church years ago, and he had gotten very wounded in church um, when he did try it. And uh, he was very bitter and angry, and he was a hardcore Harley motorcycle riding guy. As a matter of fact, his biker name was Stinky. And um, literally, Stinky, that was his attitude, and that was also everything he embraced. He was a grumpy dude, and he didn't like very many people at all. He kept his friends very close and very few, and they talked about how grumpy he was all the time. As a matter of fact, what he had his, uh, he, he rode a trike, so he had a three-wheeled motorcycle, um, and he had a skunk fur all over it, like literal skunk hide. And he had his helmet wrapped in skunk hide, and he had a hat made out of real skunk hide, and you could still smell it a little bit. And he had like 10 skunk tails hanging off the back of his motorcycle, and he had a giant skunk tattoo on his left arm, and he had that tattoo made into a big sticker on the front of his motorcycle, and then there was a stuffed skunk that was strapped into the back of the motorcycle. He wanted everyone to know he's stinky, all right? Big guy, big personality, angry person, wounded person, and now he's having to think about uh, this could possibly be the end for him because of this disease that was terrible that he had. He was at uh, Freydert there in Wisconsin, which is a cancer hospital, and Freydert Medical Center has a little bridge that connects it to the Wisconsin Children's Hospital. And so to go back and forth between those two hospitals, all you have to do is walk across this enclosed bridge bridge thing. And my wife and I were at Children's Hospital with our son who had just gotten in a bicycle accident and had to have 80% of his pancreas removed in an emergency surgery to save his life. And um, he has a gnarly scar and he's living with 20% of his pancreas because of it. And he was literally hours away from being in really, really bad shape. Um, And he was rushed by ambulance um, to the hospital. And so we're there, and then John, my buddy at church, is there at Freighter with his dad, and his dad's name is Greg. Stinky is in the hospital. I said, hey, John, since your dad is in the hospital, um, I'll just walk across the bridge. I'd love to come see him and and just pray for him, because we had to stay at Children's Hospital off and on for almost three months with our son. And so he said, oh, my dad won't let you come see him. And I said, what do you mean he won't let me come see him? I mean... Because you think that even the hardest of hearts, when they feel like their, their life is being threatened, they would at least be softened to at least let someone come pray with them, right? Not Greg, not Stinky, uh-uh. He was hard in his heart. He didn't want anything to do with prayer. Well, he actually ended up getting this transfusion to where he got better for a little bit, and he got discharged from the hospital, and it was this incredible thing. And because of all these insane medical bills he had racked up, they had to have this big fundraiser, and 
um, our men's group showed up to Greg's fundraiser, and I finally got to meet Greg for the very first time. I met Stinky, and he was sitting in a wheelchair and had on a skunk hat, and he would grunt at people. Like I said, hi, Greg, my name's Derek. I'm the pastor at John's church. My son was in the hospital at the same time as, as you, and, and, and he's okay, and things are better there, and I'm glad to see you out of the hospital. Okay, well, nice to meet you. You know, I mean, it was an awkward first impression. And that impacted Greg somehow, some way where our men's ministry went to go visit him and was there for his fundraising event because a couple Sundays later, he had had a motorized wheelchair by then. Here comes Greg into the doors of the church. A man who hasn't darkened the doors of a church 20 plus years. And he comes in and he wheels right down front. And uh, I go over to him and I said, hey, Greg. And John was blown away, didn't know his dad was coming. He started bawling. Never thought his dad would come to church. And so I go and I say hi to Greg and I talk to him. And we start talking about motorcycle stuff. And he finds out that I ride because he didn't know I rode. He's like, I didn't know preachers ride motorcycles. You know. And uh, so we start talking about that and connecting over that. And, um, and then through a series of events, I ended up taking Greg to some of his appointments in, in Milwaukee and because they needed my help. And so Greg and I developed this relationship. And next thing you know, Greg calls me over to his house and he wants to talk to me about something pretty serious. And he says, I don't know how much time I have left. Um, he said, but he said, um, he said, I just want to make sure that I'm right with God. And so we talked about Jesus and led him to the Lord and we prayed together and he talked to me about some bitterness from his church. He told me his church wound story. He told me some family wounds and some issues there that he was struggling with. And he said, I just want to go to heaven and make sure that I do. And we talked about that, prayed about that. And he said, no, don't tell John you came over here. <laughs> he was always so grumpy. Um, and, he said, and he said, whenever I do pass, he said, I want you to do in the funeral. He said, and I want you to wear all your biker gear. So... Um, so Greg calls me um, one day and he says, hey, um, can you come help me with something? He said, I need to store my trike for the winter and I need you to take it um, to a friend's house of mine. And, and uh, I said, okay. So I go to Greg's house and he looks at me, he says, you know how to drive this thing? And I was like, yeah, I know how to drive this thing. What are you talking about? And he looks at me and I look at him and he's in his wheelchair. He looks at his wife, he says, go get my helmet. And as he goes, gets his stinky helmet puts it on, and he looked at me and he, from his wheelchair. He said, well, are you going you gonna to pick me up and put me on a motorcycle, or do I have to beg you? Okay, Greg. So I have to lift him up, put him up on the motorcycle, and he sits there. He holds on to the hand grips. He looks at me, and he goes, all right. And he scoots back a little bit, and I get on the driver's seat, and he's riding passenger, which in the motorcycle community, that's a big deal for him to be riding behind me when it's his bike. And so here it is, I, I ride Greg 10 miles down the road or so. He's griping the whole time. You're going to hit every pothole. You know, like, <laughs> I told this story at his funeral, but it's great. Um, a week goes by, and I get a phone call from John. And he says, Dad told Mom he was going to bed. He was tired, and he just, she went to bed, and when she walked in the room, she knew. He had just went peacefully in his sleep. And I did his funeral just like he requested, and we started doing a memorial ride for Greg um, 
and we shared his story. And can I tell you that we had over 70 motorcyclists come to our church as a result of that. Can I tell you that his hardcore friends that did not know the Lord, I mean, people who were wounded and angry and bitter, not only at God, but at the world, guys who had served in Vietnam, who were dealing with wounds and scars and They came to Christ, people came and built relationships there and now they have friendships with Christian people and some planting and some watering and God changing hearts. Can I tell you, so many people's lives have been impacted because of Greg and stupid motorcycle. Can I tell you that it's just through a simple connection. Somebody has to start somewhere because you never know who's been wounded, who's been hurt, you never know who just need somebody to reach out and to connect with them because it could transform their lives and then people's lives are still being transformed because of Greg even five years after his passing. Because of what God did and how God used that story. And now there's even more people who've heard that story of how God can use connection. So yeah, BCC, guess what? We're called to connect, amen? We're called to connect, yeah, yeah. One claps, everybody claps. That's the rule. You know that. Come on. <laughs> you know why one claps, everybody claps? Because we love each other. And we don't want to leave that person hanging. It's, it's like they're stuck in a high five. And you're just like, no, we got you. One claps, everybody claps. That's the rule from now on. <laughs> Let's pray. God, thank you so much for helping us to embrace our identity about connecting with you to grow and with others to lead them to transformation in Christ as we are being transformed. We love you, Jesus, and we thank you for helping us do this because it's only by your grace we can take this word and not just be hearers but be doers. In Jesus' name, amen.